Oh, you may be seated. Let's go to, and I don't have it on the board here, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. I just want to pick up something. Uh, as you go there, uh, we're going to start in verse 11. Uh, so what I'm wanting to do is, is because you know me, uh, since we have eternity here, okay, so we're just going to go as the Father leads us. Last week we talked about being a gatekeeper, and last week we talked about protecting his house. You know, I wore that little shirt, protect his house, and that's what we want to keep doing. And uh, so, as we know how to do that in protecting his house, just to go back, is, is that we have to have the Torah and we have to have the testimony of Yeshua both active and operating in our lives. Amen? Not one or the other, but both. Okay, that's how we're trained to protect his house. And so, I have up here, it says, be a gatekeeper. We're going to get into being a gatekeeper. This is all part of the process. So if you guys are visiting, you just may want to keep watching for further episodes coming down because this is like a little series is what it's turned into. And uh, so now you see I have part two up here. So I think for today, uh, this is keeping us, keeping Yahweh's people on the right path. Now, this is not an easy job. <laughs> That's why you have sheepdog and shepherds watching the sheep if the sheep could just be good sheep and the sheep could go where they're supposed to all the time you wouldn't need a shepherd you wouldn't need sheep dogs so he's the shepherd Yeshua is the shepherd and I'm his dog so bow wow okay so I'm a sheep dog so this is about the best way to look at it so this is what we're here to do as a five-fold ministry is is we're trying to keep the sheep as we're trying to come into the unity of the faith until that time, it's just trying to keep us from being scattered, roaming all over the place spiritually so that the wolves who are out there, we talked about this last week, Adam did not guard and keep. Adam was not a good shepherd at that moment in time because look at all the chaos that's happened ever since. This is another thing that we talked about last week. Whenever Hasatan was sitting there, or the serpent is sitting there talking to Eve, Yahweh could have come in and shut it down. But did he? No. We're going to learn here today, he never intervenes unless you call him. Okay, now you can pray. Now I know some people, but I'm just saying, how many times, well let me just, let me just, I made a statement, and I'm just going to, how many times do we get in trouble by our wrong choices? Did Yahweh come in and shut it down? No, he just let us haul off in it. And then when we start crying, and we start pleading, and we start trying to find out, then he says, well, guess what? If you had asked me first, I would have told you this, or I would have warned you here. Okay, this is what happened. It's the same thing. Where have we seen this before? If he didn't come in and stop it at the garden, he wants us to communicate. This is what keeping people on the right path is about, is we have to focus. It's not about us. It's about him. And how. And it's about each other, how we you know, love the Father and love each other. So this is important to us. As he is returning us back to the ancient past, how many people, okay, we're here, so we're good, but how many people have you ministered about the ancient past that they were really excited to hear about it? They're not here. Uh, you know, maybe one, okay? Maybe one out of a hundred or a thousand or whatever. 
But do you know that when they're going to be anxious or they're going to be interested in the ancient past, they're going to be interested when Satan is cast down to this earth in, in Revelations 12 and he is out there destroying. And not only that, Halisa talked about in the Torah portion, when these angels who are being held back, they start coming and they start destroying a third of this and a third of that. Guess what? People are going to be looking for people with zitzits. Because they're going to say, they're not going to look and say that Yeshua is our salvation. They're going to look at you and say, you're our salvation. Tell us the way. This is what's going to happen because you know what? We understand the end of the book. We understand there's no fearful in being afraid. We understand that these things are going to happen and he's going to protect us. But guys, we have to communicate. We have to stay in prayer. He came down and he told Cain after Cain brought that offering that he had no regard to. Why? Because he didn't bring the first and the best. He didn't bring his first fruit. But he told him, he says, sin is crouching at the door. You master it. And guess what? He made a wrong choice. So we have the scriptures full of wrong choices. Esau, wrong choices. You see this, but guess what? We're in the same boat. We've seen people here come and go by making wrong choices. So in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, it says this. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain now, you guys know this scripture, but I wanted to bring something out in verse 14. It says, since you have become dull of hearing. This is number one. This is a gatekeeper. If a gatekeeper becomes dull of hearing, whatever he's guarding, we're in trouble in that location. We're, we're only as strong as our weakest link. In river of life, we look at it as river of life. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And you know what? If you're beaten and you're down, you know what? Get out of the line. Get in the middle and let us guard and protect you. Don't, don't run off and do your own thing. Get in the middle of what the Father's doing until you're healed, until you're strengthened. Then get back in line and, and do your part. Do your portion and do your part. There's nothing wrong. Look, guys, we all get weary. And we, and we get tired of doing good. Sometimes we just need to get inside and we need to recuperate. That's what you do. But don't go off on your own thinking that because you're going, to get, you're going to get eaten up by the wolves. That's what's going to happen. But he says this, is that you don't want to go out there. Well, let me just say this, because when you pull away, you're going to become dull of hearing. That's just really what is going to happen. You're going to start backsliding. It says, verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. So if he's telling them that you ought to be teachers, you just didn't get, this ain't your first or second or third year in Hebrew Roots. This is like year 10, year 12, year whatever in your Hebrew roots. In other words, you ought to be a teacher by this time. We shouldn't, you shouldn't be, you know, on the bottle still. That's what I'm talking about. It says, for you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of Elohim. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is what? unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. Now, there's some key words in here that, number one, we need to be taught the basic principles again. And I'm hoping, I wrote down here, I said, I hope and pray that we are not still in this position. Not for those of us who's been in here at least five or more years. 
we have a lot of people in here that can teach, that can get up here and do just what I do. And I'm excited about that. So I hope and pray that those who are coming along just don't ride on the coattails of those who know. This is You have to stand on your own feet one day. You have to be able to stand. You, I'm not going to be there. Your, your parents are not going to be there. Whatever's not going to be there. Your peers or your mentor is not going to be there. You're mentored so that you can mentor somebody else in the future. Bill told me this one time. Tammy's dad and Sandra's dad told me this one time. Everybody needs a Paul in their life. I need a Paul in my life. I need one who can mentor me even though I'm pastoring now and I've been doing this a long time. I still need a Paul in my life. And guess what? We need a lot of Timothys. But we always, if you ever get to the place where you think you don't need a Paul in your life, you're, you're, you become dull of hearing because you're in trouble, okay? You just, you just know you're in trouble. Okay, verse 14. Now, this is the ESV, and I like the way this is written. But solid food is for the mature. But this, I want you to listen to me on this one. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish evil from good. I'm going to read that again. Those who have the powers or their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You know, our friends, the Browns, you know, do martial arts. You have to continue to practice and practice. I'm sure you know the moves, but just quit a while. Just let down a while. Then what happens is, yeah, you do have muscle memory, but sometimes you're not as sharp unless you're constantly practicing over and over and over again. We have to continue to read the Torah, pray. We need to go through these cycles because we're getting stronger and better and we're learning and perfecting our spiritual moves, if you will, every time. That's right. That's right. Perfect practice makes perfect play. Practice does not make something perfect because if you learn wrong, you will produce wrong. You will perform wrong. Okay, and I think we know this. So I thought that that was a good scripture to start out with because as we now go to Joshua chapter 9, we're just going to start in the chapter. This is called the Gibeonite deception. We talked about this last week that I was really amazed that there were some temple servants. And these temple servants, I believe, are the Gibeonites. And this is how they became temple servants is in this story. Because... These people, and I thought, and I was amazed because these people went into Babylon and they came out of Babylon with the Israelites. So they were still hanging tough. But let's look at the story and see what we can see in here. Verse 1, as soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan of the hill country and the lowland along the coastlines of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Ike. That's the Ike brothers. Okay, that's who this is, all right? Now, there is one, heard of this. Now, heard of this, heard of what? Chapter 8 is where Israel went in and they destroyed Jericho and they destroyed Ai. Okay, this is what they heard. So what happened is, is it says, verse 2, they gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. 
Guys, know that if this happened then, it will, it will happen today. They gathered as one to fight against Joshua. This is what the enemies of Yahweh do. They're, they may come at you one group at a time, but usually they gather together as one. This is what's happening in this day. They're gathering together as one to try to stamp out anything to do with Hebrew roots or Christianity or anything to do with this word from Genesis to Revelation. This is what's happening now. You're seeing this, this formidable foe. You're seeing these kings gather together. There's one king here. There's six of them here, and there's one not men, mentioned, and it's the Gershishites or some, some name. But anyway, they're, they're in there too. So you have these six kings here mentioned. They came together as one. And, and, I, and you know me, for you guys that are visiting, I go slow. Because I want you to understand that in these scriptures, there's something that he's telling you in each verse. Because whatever happened back then is going to happen again. It always repeats itself. We have this thing here that where have we seen this before? If you want to know what's going to happen in the end, Brad Scott always told us to go to the beginning. Because what happens in the beginning is going to repeat itself all the way through. We see Israel made the same mistakes. How many times? Over and over and over again, the same thing. And, and you know what? We're no better than they are because we as a body, we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And there has to be a generation raised up one day that's going to stop this and quit this. You know, because what? We're a new creation. We're not defined by our past. Amen. We talked about that last night. We're not defined by our past. We're a new creation. We don't have to live by our forefathers that was passed down alcoholism and drug addictions and all of that stuff. We're not defined by that. We're defined by us being a new creation. That's exciting news. But, or we can keep making the same mistakes that our forefathers did. Okay, verse 3. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon, Gibeon heard that Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, and it says, on their part, acted cunningly. Now, we're talking about, here's some people from Gibeon, okay? Now, I'm just going to throw this in here. You're going to see this in, in just a moment. You know how we named these six up here in verse 1? Do you know who Gibeon belongs to? Gibeon belongs to the Hivites. This is... This is not some other people. This is, they, they belong to one of the six. And we're going to read this as we get down here, but the Hivites, there were four main cities, and Gibeon was one of them. And these, these cities in Israel, as, as we know that Israel, the land of Canaan at the time, they were four powerful cities. These were big cities. So it's no small thing. But, I want to read this story from this standpoint. The power of discernment. The Father gives us the power of discernment to know. But if we're not communicating here, and if you're operating on your own senses, you will be deceived. We will be deceived. Because these people here, these Gibeonites, see, when, when all of them came together in theory, at the start with, we're going to gather as one and we're going to go against Israel. Because why? It's better for all of us together. Surely we can beat them. 
Because you know what? They're really not really afraid of Joshua and Israel. They're afraid of their Elohim because their Elohim just destroyed Egypt. And now they just wiped out Jericho and they wiped out Ai. Now, I guess they got some kind of maybe took some. Maybe they had cannabis back there in, in the land. I don't know. They had to do something, smoke something to think, well, maybe we can take them on. But they knew they couldn't do it as individuals, so they band together. Or so they thought they were banding together. So in verse 4 again, it says, on their part, acted cunningly. Remember what we talked about, about the serpent? The serpent was what? More cunning than all the beasts of the field? That means that he was, of the, he was a master of deceit. So these people were cunning, and they went, and they made ready provisions, and they took worn-out socks and their donkeys, wineskins worn out and torn and mended. In other words, they didn't go to goodwill. They went to badwill, I guess. They went to get the baddest stuff that they could, the, the wore-out, the raddiest, worn-out sandals on their feet, worn-out clothes. All their provisions were dry and crumbly. I wrote down here, Satan will go to great lengths to deceive you, however he needs to deceive you. Because these people are doing whatever they can do to try to deceive Joshua and Israel. Satan does the same thing. If he can masquerade as an angel of light, he will do whatever he needs to do to be able to get in and mess you up. And mess us up. Verse 6. And they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him, to the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country, so make a covenant with us. See, a lot of times, we're a people, really, where we're... Our word doesn't mean anything anymore. you got to have a stack of papers. I can't go. Go and get a loan. I mean... I promise I will pay you. I sign right here. Is that good enough? No. Where you used to could shake somebody's hands back in the 60s, and my word is my bond, and if I walked up and said I'm going to do something, we honored it. Today, you got to have a stack of papers. i got to write my name 82 times. Like, what was wrong with the first time I signed my name? What's the other 79 things going to do for you? Putting it, I mean... <laughs> If I signed, I will, guess what? I'm bound by that first signature. You don't have to, but this is what, this is the deceit, the craziness that we've got. They got to itemize everything like an I will. Man, just put it all in one thing and let me sign one time. Signing 82 times ain't going to make anything any more legal or not legal. But it showed here, but a covenant back in this day, when they said they made a covenant, dude, they honored a covenant. This is what this means. If I go and I sit down and I eat with Keith at his house, the moment I eat with him, I make a covenant with him. And if somebody comes and attack him, that attacks him and his family, I am obligated by the covenant to catch his back. I will come to him and fight with him because his battle becomes now my battle. That's what this means of covenant. We don't do that today. We sorry, really. I'm just calling like, he goes, what will we, if, if, he's, if he's fighting somebody that I think I can take, I'm behind, I'm with him. But if, if somebody comes at yon yon, that's just, we don't have a problem today 
doing that. We really don't. We're just sorry individuals as a whole that we don't honor covenants. So, guys, when I'm telling you that they, that they, because the Gibeonites knew, the Hivites knew, if we make a covenant with Israel, they have our back. Because just think about something, because this is in the next chapter, and we're definitely not going to get there. Whenever the other six people and the five kings find out what the Hivites did, are they going to be excited? That they need to make a covenant because guess what? If they do make this covenant and it comes to fruition, then guess what? Then Israel has to go fight this battle. Now, let me say this because I'm going to jump all over the place. Think about this. What was the command of Yahweh when he told Joshua and them to go into the land? He told them to do what? Destroy how many different groups? All of them. Get rid of all of them. The mamas, the daddies, everything. Get rid of all of them. Don't get rid of a little sin. Get rid of all the sin. If you leave sin there, it will bite you in the future. Get rid of all of them. So now it's not just because, like I said, I'm going to jump from back and forth. But think about this. So it's not now that Joshua and all of Israel has a job to do to go to get rid of all of them. Now they make a covenant with one of them. And now they got to babysit one of them. And whose fault is it? Have we made covenants? In our lives, if we struck deals in our lives, it's not Yahweh's fault. Because number one, we didn't ask. Because we knew if we asked, he was going to say no. That's why sometimes, like we do, when we want something, we don't usually ask our wives. Because we know the answer is no. Okay? We just do that. Y'all go ahead and smile, man. I'm just throwing us under the bus. It's Memorial Day coming up. So I'm just saying, but this is what happens. And so what I'm saying is, is sometimes we make covenants and we do things. People buy automobiles. I mean, I bought my first car, $6,800, Buick Regal. Let that sink in. My first new automobile, Buick Regal. I was styling. You hear what I'm saying? Buick Regal. I, it was burgundy because I like Mississippi State. Go ahead. You're all right. And plus our colors at George County was burgundy and all. And so $6,800. Tell me if you can buy a brand new car today for $6,800. I don't remember what. Was that 81, 1981? 1981. Go buy a brand new Buick Regal today for $6,800. You tell me that inflation hadn't hit. You tell me that this place is not going crazy. I, I do remember that a lot of times back in the day when I had money, I made money, we had money. And, and, I, and this is my fault. I will tell on myself. I'm not going to, I will uncover my own nakedness. Whenever we get to a place, this is how foolish I was. When I'd get to a place to where I needed new tires on a car, did I go buy new tires? No, what did I go buy? I went and bought a new vehicle that had new tires with it. I had more dollars and cents 
Because money back then went a long ways. I think by in the first few years of marriage, we had 13, 12 new vehicles. 12 new vehicles. That was my thing. I just didn't want to change the tires. But I'm just saying, but money, we made money, we had money, it was accumulating. I didn't save it because I believed in the rapture. Who am I going to leave it for these heathens? I'm flying away, oh glory. I ain't leaving in my stuff. I'm going to spend it. Then when I find out that we're here to the resurrection, I was like, oh, I started saving. Started buying you stuff for the most part. But what I'm saying is, is this, really and truly. This is what happens in our life when we don't pray because I had. I had, we were comfortable, I felt good. But you know what? One day, I got upside down in a vehicle. Do y'all know what upside down in a vehicle means? Let me explain it to you. You owe more on the vehicle than the vehicle is worth. Yeah, I learned about that word depreciation. What happened was inflation, inflation happened. And then when inflation happened, when inflation happened, what happened is is inflation didn't happen in a zero to 100. It slowly crept up to where we ended up. Okay, let me just with that. There you go, girl. Natalie will get her. <clears throat> so what happens is, is inflation slowly got us into the place to where I wanted to trade in that vehicle because I needed new tires. And guess what? The tires were cheaper than my vehicle. And then I said, what happened? Well, that's the way sin is. Sin is like inflation. It starts small until you get upside down in it, and you're like, man, I owe more on something. And you know what? Then I really hated that vehicle. When I couldn't get rid of it, don't think that in the flesh and in the natural, I figured out every way I could to get rid of that vehicle. You know what? I got rid of that vehicle, but it cost me way more And I started out in the new vehicle upside down. I'm just sharing with you guys because I've been there and I understand what this means. This is what not asking the Father about making moves in your life will do for you. Amen? It happens in the flesh. It happens in the spirit. So I just told you how crazy I was. Don't get upside down and stuff. So here you have the Hivites in verse 7. But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us, then how can we make a covenant with you? Then they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Well, who are you? And where do you come from? And they said to him, From a far distance. Your country, your servants have come because of the name of Yahweh your Elohim. Now did did you just hear what I said? Israel said, they said, Joshua said, they said, Yahweh ain't said nothing yet. And they hadn't asked Yahweh anything yet. There's a lot of talking going on, but they're not talking. And you would have thought, 
by what happened with Ai, with uh, Achan, you would have thought this soon that Joshua would have said, shut everything down, you go over there, we'll fix you a goat or two, and we're going to ask the father, who are these people? But you see a lot of he said, she said, and this is what we do in our, in our lives today, guys. We get to do a lot of talking, but we're not talking to the right one. But see what they did? They says, well, we come from a long distance because of your Elohim. Butter goes good on bread. But nothing goes good on celery, but butter goes good on bread. You hear what I'm saying? Butter goes good. You, they are buttering them up. They're per, now they just threw in there, man, you have, your Elohim has it going on. There's many gods. They knew about it, but your God is the God of all gods. This is what they're telling. They're buttering up like, man, you are the people on the earth. You're the apple of his eye. You are the apple pie of his eye with caramel. And I, man, you're it. This is what they did. So they invoked that for a reason. I'm telling you, we better be careful in the future because if it happened here, it will happen here. Where people will say, your Elohim is awesome. Well, who are you? It don't matter. We come from a faraway place. I'm on your side. Well, you say, okay, that sounds great. But you know what? We need to pray. We need to ask the Father, what's going on here? So that because these people were cunning, what happened to the serpent? The serpent got into the midst of the garden. Guys, if you know what the midst of the garden is, that's the holies of holies. I mean, this garden was huge. This, this garden didn't consist of the, right here. This garden had trees. This garden had fruit trees. It had rivers. This garden had rivers in it. But they were in the midst of the garden. They were in the very holies of holies. How did Hasatan get through the whole place to get into the midst? This is how cunning he was, and this is how cunning these people are. And he still is cunning the same way. But yet they, they said, man, your Elohim is it. And it says, and we've heard reports of what he did to Egypt. He's bad to the bone. Verse 10. And, it, and then not only that, we heard what he did to the kings of the Amorites. What he done to Heshbon and to Og and Bashan. In verse 11, it says, so our elders and all the inhabitants of our country. Now, they wasn't very far away. But our country said to us, take provisions in your hand and take a journey and go and meet and say to them, we are your servants. Come now and make a covenant with us. So they went back and forth. Verse 14. I have to jump because, you know, the story says, it says, so the men took of their provisions and they did not ask counsel of who? This is the whole problem. And if we're going to be a gatekeeper, we got to communicate. If we're going to be a gatekeeper, so guess what? We first have to be a gatekeeper over our own personal house. We have to make sure that the enemy doesn't get in our personal house because if he gets in our personal house, he will get in this house. That's just the way it works. And you have to make sure if you don't want him in your children, you better guard and keep. Because I'm telling you, Satan is out there to destroy the families. That's what he wants to do. 
So protecting it, but keeping Yahweh's people on the right path. We got to be a gatekeeper. This is the if you don't if you mark your scriptures, you need to mark this one, verse 14. So the men took some of the provisions, but they did not seek counsel from Yahweh. And then it happens in verse 15, Joshua made peace with them and he made a covenant to them and he let them live and their leaders in the congregation swore to them. Now, verse 16, at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that they were neighbors and that they lived among them. Isn't that always the way it happens? Do you Have you noticed that Yahweh is silent this whole time? I want to explain to you something here. This is a, an example for me and you. If you don't ask or you don't seek, you will not find. Not You won't find the right thing. You're going to find something, but you're going to find the wrong thing. It always happens. Guys, I can't say this enough. Yahweh was right there, and he watched Adam do what he did. He's sitting there, and he's watching what Joshua and the elders of Israel is doing. But he didn't intervene. Because you know why? He gives us a choice. He wants us to love him. He wants us to communicate. He's given us, he's given us the spiritual warfare. He's given us everything we need to fight these battles. And do you know what? And it's like one of those songs that y'all sang earlier. And we talked about it. The enemy, the enemy may think that they have you surrounded, but we have them surrounded. Because we have an angelic force that's out there that's around his people watching over us in this. This is, this is the Elohim we serve. But yet, if we're making bonehead decisions, if we're out there not communicating with him and asking him, if he's been silent with Adam, and if he's been silent here, he will be silent with me and you if we don't communicate on our moves with him. This is of the utmost importance. Does he love you? Absolutely. Did he love Adam? Absolutely. Did he love Joshua and Israel? Absolutely. But yet, if you don't invoke him, he's going to remain silent. He's going to let you walk off the edge of the cliff. It's just what he's going to do. Is that sort of hard? It is sort of hard, isn't it? I mean, I, but look, let me tell you how hard it is. Now, I know that there's, now look, I know that there's mercy and grace. Okay, let me, let me clarify something. I don't want to be all-inclusive because I can do that sometimes. I do know sometimes that he steps in before we get too ignorant to where we die. Okay, I understand that. That's his mercy and his grace that comes in there. He's, you know, he will step in there. But what I'm saying here is, is this, guys. I, I just want you to just grab this. I can't emphasize this enough. The children of Israel had a mandate. Go in and, and, and clean out the land. Not go out there and babysit. And they turned around and, look, the Hivites, that's no small group of people. There's four major cities. And when they made a covenant with them, they made a covenant with not just Gibeon. They made a covenant with all of them. When they thought they come from a far enough land, they didn't research it. We have to do our due diligence. If we're going to be a gatekeeper, if you don't, we're going to have everybody in the world living in the city. That the Father says don't belong in this city. 
You see what I'm saying? This is why this is important. Yes. You showed us a, a cartoon one time. Yes. That had some people and a guardrail and one jumping over. That made me think of that because if we don't do what is said, then we're going to jump over and we're going to die. That's right. You know, we're going to die, which actually happened this week. That's what prompted the thought. A guy from somewhere else, he was going to make a, a faster way to get to something. He went over a guardrail and went 50, 50 feet down mm-hmm. or 100 feet mm-hmm. and killed himself. Yeah. So that's what he wants us yeah, to do. Yeah, shortcuts can kill us. And, and that's, right. that's and, right. And by them not going to it, that was how it was going to go. They that's didn't right. go to him. They just did what they wanted. Amen. I wanted to capitalize on what you just yeah. said um, about the mercy and stuff. There was mercy, but look at the story, though. They just came off of Ai. Remember, they went into Jericho one, and then somebody took from Jericho what they weren't supposed to, and then they went to Ai and got their got their behinds whipped because what? They didn't go before the Lord. So again, we have the same situation where they didn't go before the Lord. So in our lives, if we have, like, if we have stumbled, we are going to get that test again to see if we've learned our lesson. Yeah to see if we can go forward and see if we take what we have learned to apply it. So, moral of the story, always go before the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Because, guys, they're going into the promised land here. They haven't been through 40 years of wilderness. They've already made all those mistakes in the wilderness. But guess what? They go into the promised land, and they're still making the same mistakes over and over again. Guys, if we're going to be the generation for Yeshua to return, these, these mistakes have got to stop. I'm just putting it out there. They have to stop. There has to be a generation that stands up and says, enough's enough. Enough of this stuff. We trust you. We have to be a generation to where we're not telling them, Moses, you go, and whatever he tells you, we're going to do. We're going to have to be a generation that, that quits relying on uh, the priest to go do something. We've got to stand up as the body of Messiah and say, whatever you tell me to do, we're going to do. We as a ministry is going to do it. As a group, as communities, we're going to do it. We're going to do it in a family. This is what he's, he's telling us. Okay, where am I at? Okay, so in verse 17, you see, that, you see that there are four cities. But now, look what happens, and, and this is very important, in verse 18. But the people of Israel did not attack them. He's talking about Gibeon. He's talking about the Havite. Because their leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel. Then the congregation was really excited and happy for the. Then the very congregation of Israel murmured and complained against the leaders. This is why this is important for pastors and elders and fivefold ministries to get this right. Because. The people are depending on people that's put in leadership to make right decisions. If we can't guard and keep, they can't guard and keep. And this is why this is important, that it's not just about you. When Moses was called, Moses was no longer about Moses. Moses represented all of the He represented Elohim to the people. This is very, are we not ambassadors on this earth? I'm just asking. Are we ambassadors on this earth, and who do we represent? Well, then guess what? We don't represent ourselves anymore. 
if you've accepted Yeshua as your Savior, guess what? That old self has died. That old self is gone. Now we represent Yeshua in this earth. So we don't have a right to go do what we think we want to do. We only, our only rights is, is what he calls us to do and what we're to do. As fathers, mothers, children, uh, lay people, leaders, however, we all work together. But what happens is, is it's very, very, very important that the leadership gets it right. And this is what the congregation needed to be doing also. Making sure that the leadership is praying about the situation. Because they could have come up and said, whoa, Joshua, did y'all pray about this? Oh, that's a good idea. You know what I'm saying? And then they, we have a, this is why I covet your prayers up here. Because I'm telling you, I know it shocks you, but I'm not all-knowing. Okay? I'm not. I'm not all-knowing. You know, uh, Casey's a doctor. He practices medicine. I'm a pastor. I'm practicing religion. You know, maybe that's what, no, I don't know. But, but, but we don't have it all perfect yet. I don't have it all. I'm learning. He's learning. He downloads in me. I'm telling you, what he, in the position that you have here, he downloads in me what you need to hear. Because I'm telling you, it, it is. Despite of me, because I'm not that smart. I'm not that in a bag of chips. I know that. I'm just telling you, I know that. If I didn't have this, he wouldn't download this into me. Why? Because he wouldn't need to. He doesn't, he doesn't, why would he just download, just make me just all-knowing and all? What does that do for anybody? Nothing. You know, it don't, don't even give me a halo. You know what I'm saying? It, the thing about it is he equips you. That's why I tell people, if you're not a mother, if you're, if you're married, and you're not a mother yet, he's not going to equip you to be a mother until you have a child. When you have that child, he equips you. That's what he does. I think faith, guys, this is one thing we talked about last night. Faith is where we believe and trust that if he asks us to do something, he's going to equip me to do it. Okay? He's not. But what we like to do is, is we want to know we're equipped before we go do it. I want to know that I can do this, that I can handle the task before. Why, why do I want that? Because I want a security blanket. I want my binky. I want something to make me feel secure. Because I don't want to go out there and make a fool of myself. Well, I thought it wasn't about us no more. But you know what? It is about us sometimes. We hold that. I'm just saying, guys, and I'm going to end this section right here. This is so important to us to know this. And I'm not telling you, and I've told you this before, I'm not telling you this is easy. But faith you can't see. Faith is walking on what his word tells you to do, and we walk out and we do it. And we believe and we thank him. And then he's going to equip, he's going to make sure the manifestations come. That's the way he's worked. Where have we seen that before? All over the scriptures. I don't really ever see where he equips somebody and just let them hang around for 40 years with a gifting that was not used. Because he equipped Moses. He called Moses, he equipped him. He called Aaron, he equipped him. Moses complaining and, and griping, I can't speak. Well, I'll give you Aaron. He equipped you. Even if he's got to give you a, a binky and a blankie to drag around with you, your brother. 
Whatever you have to do, he will make sure that he equips us to do what we need to do. Guys, we have to trust and know that, that in life. And you know what? He does it. His word does not fail us. He does it that way all the time. So in this right here, our job here is to keep Yahweh's people on the right path. That's another. But how do you do that? You better keep this communication going and not say, well, they said, I said, well, this look, they look like good people. You know what I mean? They look like godly people. Well, are they? Well, you know, last week he was a serial killer, but he's changed. You know, you just you need to know who you labor among. That's just what happens. Let me say, uh, they'll probably edit that. But I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just saying you need to know who you labor among. People show up. People show up and say, man, I like your church. I like your line up there. Man, y'all got, who, who painted that? Who did all? Well, I didn't do it. Your, your music's great. This is great. Oh, yeah, you know, we got it going. We got it going. And the person might be a wolf. Come in to do what? To destroy what the Father's doing. This is why we have to be gatekeepers. Now, look, I will tell you this 110%. I am positive thinking. I am here. When somebody comes in this place, my, my first thing is, is the Father has called you here, you need to be here. If he's not called you here, you're welcome to visit every week. Whatever you need to do, you're doing. I am positive. But at the same time, I am praying. I do pray. We do pray. And we ask, Father, because it's important. It's not important just for us. It's important for you. You know, when the Russells decide, that's no small thing when they decide to maybe move up a family and bring them. I mean, they're, they're moving and they're trusting that this is a safe place because they have children and grandchildren. We need to be a safe place for people. They need to trust us. We need to trust them. This is the beautiful thing about the move. I, I'm just really thankful what the Father is doing, and he's doing this all over the place. But at the same time, I will tell you that there's tares that sowed among the wheat. And we have to know if we let tares take root because we didn't pray, then they have to grow together in time of harvest. Because if not, the wheat's going to be hurt with them. This is what happened here. So anyway, with this, to be a gatekeeper, we need to be very, very discerning, and we need to practice our discernment. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.